Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about their life's travel diaries. From the first place they fell in love with and their all-time favourite destination to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list, we'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. This week, we're heading to the other side of the world for our UK listeners, to a mountainous island nation in the Pacific Ocean with two main islands, the North and the South Island. A land of mammoth national parks, epic biodiversity, dynamic Maori culture and world-class adventure sports. One of the most popular destinations to be picked by my guests as top of their travel bucket list, it is, of course, New Zealand. If you're waving your magic wand, I would love to go to New Zealand. In terms of places that I've not been to, that I think I would love to go to first, I think would be New Zealand. And I think it's mainly down to, well, it's down to two things. It's Flight of the Concords, who I think are very funny <laughs> yeah. and brilliant. Yeah. And obviously Lord of the Rings. And so I would love to go and check out New Zealand because I think it's a wonderful country. And everyone who I've ever met from New Zealand is nice and kind and I like kind people top of my bucket list to go to New Zealand I've just seen pictures of it the it just feels uh, breathtakingly beautiful the nature and the culture I would, I'd just love to get lost there for a bit that was Simon Reeve, Sanjeev Bhaskar, Jamie Leng and Dev Patel. Just a taster of some of the names who've singled out New Zealand on the podcast. Now, New Zealand has felt you know, rather out of reach during these last couple of years. But the wonderful news is that on May the 1st, it will reopen its international borders to fully vaccinated visitors from all visa waiver countries, including the UK. With a negative pre-departure test, you also won't need to self-isolate. So you can head straight out and explore this incredible country. And today's episode is going to give you so much inspiration. It is a bumper celeb guest double bill representing the North and the South Island. We're kicking off today with the comedian, writer and actor Rose Matafeo, who is totally having a moment right now. And she grew up in Auckland on the North Island. Her critically acclaimed show Horndog won the award for Best Show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, setting her on a trajectory to international stardom. Her sitcom Starstruck, which she writes and stars in, was commissioned by the BBC and HBO Max in the US, and season one became the BBC's best-performing new comedy of last year. Rose is particularly passionate about New Zealand's food and cultural scenes as she shares her must-dos, her must-eats and all her insider North Island knowledge from its magnificent coasts and beaches, geothermal wonders, sprawling farmlands and Maori-rich culture. And then we head to the South Island where we are joined by arguably the greatest rugby player of all time, Richie McCaw. Richie captained the New Zealand All Blacks for 15 years in the 2000s and 2010s to win two World Cups. He achieved an astonishing 148 caps, a record only just beaten, and was named World Player of the Year three times. Unlike many Kiwi players who attempted to play abroad for more money, Richie stayed his entire career in New Zealand, playing for his boyhood club in Canterbury. He is revered 
across New Zealand and has been awarded their Order of Merit, the highest civilian honour limited to just 20 living people at any one time. From wildlife to wineries, glacial valleys to star-filled skies, it's no wonder the otherworldly mountainous South Island was a destination where the Lord of the Rings films were set and so many other films are being made. It's been Richie's home all of his life and he shares his expert knowledge on the island that he knows so well. But first, we're going to the North Island. Let's get started with Rose Matafeo. Rose Matafeo, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast and to this New Zealand special. I can't think of anyone better to be joining me today. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I am uh, enjoying a lovely dreary day in London. I just looked out. I, th- that very moment, I just looked out the window and I just saw grey rain clouds. And I was like, wonderful to be talking about my homeland. <laughs> <laughs> On days like this, do you kind of dream of, of being back in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, I, I, a little bit. What I do is I listen to New Zealand radio oh. throughout the day. A taste That's of home. My favorite, a taste of home the most old woman sort of uh, New Zealand radio station that I listen to with my nan whenever I stay with her. Mm-hmm. And and uh, when it's when I'm listening to it during the day, it's all of the nighttime songs that actually aren't the A rotation. So it's actually more, you know, obscure, more niche, <laughs> more niche song. So I enjoy that. So I do tr- slightly try and transport myself back to a uh, to New Zealand on days like this, yeah. I mean, it might be obvious, but you were born and and raised mm-hmm. in in New Zealand, right? Mm-hmm. That is true. I was raised in Auckland, New mm-hmm. Zealand, Tamaki Makoto. And Auckland, your hometown, was actually named Lonely Planet's best in travel, best city for 2022. So, tell me, really? uh, yeah, that's quite <laughs> the accolade. So, 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 yeah, tell me about some of your favorite memories of growing up in Auckland. Oh, I mean, so I love Auckland. Uh, I was, I was born there. I was born in the house that I grew up in for the first 20 odd years of my life. Uh, so I'm a true born and bred Aucklander. Mm-hmm. Auckland sometimes within New Zealand sometimes gets a reputation because it is the biggest city and it's sort of the hub of a lot of things. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, a, a Jaffa. No. which is I won't say it's just another effing Aucklander <laughs> that is a thing that's what uh, what we're called uh sometimes uh from people from Wellington or Christchurch or whatever uh but I I love Aucklander so much um all my family's in Auckland Auckland is an incredible or that's what that was the, the te reo name Tamaki Makoto is, is is uh is Auckland and, and te reo Maori but um it's mm-hmm. It's such an amazing. Like, I think it's. I think it's. They've got the biggest population of, of Pacific Islanders. I think in a city, uh, it's such a m- melting pot of so many amazing cultures, and that affects everything from its, you know, the arts, the culture, the food. It's yeah. It's such a a wonderful city that I think is honestly in the past ten years or so, it's sort of been changing in so many ways. I've lived in London for the last six years, mm-hmm. six or seven actually. And every time I go back, you know, obviously the pandemic, I didn't, I was there for a portion of that time, but I haven't been back in a while. But every time I go back, something's changed or, which makes me feel old <laughs> all the time. But uh, it's it's an incredible place. It's got uh, beautiful, beautiful beaches, the best food ever. Uh, 
I won't talk about how it is to drive there, but <laughs> <laughs> but really, it has everything. It I, really does. It's in, in, interesting reading actually um, when they they picked it as the the best mm-hmm. city. They cited its cultural scene, showcasing you know exciting local creativity as like one of the main reasons it was at the top of the list. I mean, it, that is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I worked. Um, well, my family, it's a weird family thing. So my mother worked as an usher at um, what used to be the Altia Centre, which is now Auckland Live, which is a series of venues in Auckland. So that is like the Civic Theatre, which is a beautiful historic theatre on Queen Street uh, in the city centre and the um, ASB Theatre. I think it's ASB. No, it's, maybe it's the, um, might be the Dame Kitty Takano Theatre now. I've been to way too long. <laughs> but basically it's a, it's a series of, of event spaces like the concert hall the concert chamber so they they used to work my mother and my brothers and myself eventually we all worked as ushers mm-hmm. and and bar stuff at this venue and that was an incredible way because to like see stuff so my mum would always sneak me into like the second half of things when she knew there was an empty seat <laughs> or she'd get you know staff tickets to musicals and and you know for our, our, our family we didn't have as much you know, disposable income, especially when my mum wasn't working full time, like uh, to go to these events, it was a great way to, when I started working there, I got to see all these amazing productions, yeah. which was incredible. So I saw, you know, all of the musicals that toured throughout Australia and New Zealand and uh, the film festival that's always on that year. I just, I'd live at the Civic Theatre because it was the film festival time. And then I got into performing and then I, I I discovered amazing places like the Basement Theatre and the Classic, which is the only com- like full time comedy club mm-hmm. in Auckland, uh, which is both both uh, on Queen Street, Auckland CBD, uh, and yeah, the, honestly, the art scene is so rich there. I, I got into it at a really young age. Yeah, I mean, you got into it at a really young age, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My first gig was in the concert chamber in the uh, Auckland Town Hall, which is a massive room. But I was like wow. 15 years old. I did five minutes and it was... It was wild. So, so um, my my next guest on this episode is the rugby player Richie McCaw, and he wow. he grew up on on a farm on the South Island, and obviously you grew up on the the North Island. So, like, how would you mm-hmm. categorize? How would you characterize rather the the two islands? Are they very contrasting? Like, do you, do the South Islanders visit the North Island and vice versa? Much? I never. Uh, I never. I actually never went to the South Island until I was about eighteen years old, which is wild. But uh, Wellington's at the bottom of the North Island, you know, and I, that was always the place I do comedy. And so it was very strange. A lot of my friends come from Christchurch who um, do comedy and I do improv comedy with. And it is a different vibe down there. Um, <laughs> it's a different vibe. I think there are less Samoans <laughs> in the South Island. It didn't make it down that far, I don't think. Uh, so yeah, I think there are, there definitely are Pacific Islanders, Polynesians down in South Island, but, um, yeah, not, 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 not many that I, I know of. I think I've got cousins down there. Who knows? But yeah, different, slightly different accents sometimes. (laughs) I mean, the only, the only regional accent I think is Gore where they roll their R's. I'm pretty sure there's not really a Christchurch accent. He had a, he had a strong, he has a strong accent, doesn't he? He does have a strong accent. Well, Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think whenever I go back to New Zealand, I have a much a stronger accent. I, I, I like, I, I hate to think I'd lose my accent, but there are certain things I think I soften here. 
so people can even understand me. I've come back from New Zealand before and done gigs and people are like, you, I don't know what you're saying. I have no (laughs) idea what you're saying. But no, there's no like rivalry or anything between the North and South Island. Landscape wise, are they quite different, would you say? I'd say they're very different. The North Island seems to me feels very lush and green and windy and wet um, because I'm from Auckland and, you know, I've got family uh, around there up and up and down um, the North Island. But South Island feels more, uh, I mean, colder, Mm -hmm. definitely a lot colder. Snow. I mean, I never saw snow until, you know, I can't remember the last, uh, snow was not a thing in in Auckland. Yeah. Uh, And uh, mountains. If you're thinking of Lord of the Rings, you're thinking of the South Island, I right, think. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I imagine that um, you, you over the years, had a lot of visitors to uh, Auckland come and visit you. Um, and they would have asked you, you know, what should I do? It's a long way to go if you're traveling from Europe. You know, what should I do on my first trip to New Zealand to get a flavor for like this incredible country? Obviously, there's a lot of ground that you could cover. Are there some kind of like must do's that you you kind of tend to tell people you have to go here, here, here? If someone were coming, well, actually, I'm in, actually in this position um, right now is that my best friend is, is hopefully going to come down for the summer oh, nice. in December or January. And I'm thinking, what am I going to, what am I going to, make her do. Uh, I think Auckland is a place, let, let's say, come in the summer. I'll say this mm-hmm. This is the time you want to come. Which is obviously not the same as European summer. Exactly, yes. It's, that's why summer Christmases and my summer birthday in February is, are very much missed. Oh, God, I have a February birthday. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous that you get a summer <sighs> birthday. It was the best thing. <sighs> and it's the worst thing about moving to London. It's just so depressing. Uh, but beaches, like there are so many incredible beaches and uh, New Zealand in Auckland alone you can go out to Piha you can go to um, any of the small I, I love the small bays like even if you're saying and closer and I, I was I was I was born in Ponsonby so you know things like Hearn Bay or like this little tiny ones that you can go and have a swim to swim every day if you like swimming oh, you'll be swimming every day um, uh, if you're eating food I <laughs> would suggest out of all the places Ponsonby Food Court. That is the place I always want. Food court culture is just not a thing in this country. But the amazing thing about Auckland and New Zealand is that we've got an incredible amount of, um, like, a really large Asian population, East Asian population, uh, and that has just completely, like, transformed, like, the food scene, I think, in, in a place like Auckland. And, you know, my favorite things going, you know, we don't have a Chinatown as such, but we've got like, you know, going to the Asian supermarkets and like, you know, uh, it was my favorite thing as a kid. And yeah, it's just an an amazing thing. So basically you get just the best of of so many Asian cuisines and like team with like really good ingredients. So Mm. it's amazing. So you just go to the food court. It's always the best like Thai red curry I've ever had. Um, (laughs) Or like the, the most delicious laksa. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. Oh yeah, because I, I saw your. Is it mukbang? Mukbang. Yeah, video? mukbang. Yeah, yeah. With the Chinese. Chinese. It was Chinese, yeah. wasn't it? Chinese takeout. It was Chinese takeaway. Yeah, it was. It was. That was in Tiatu Peninsula, where my a lot of my family um, live. So you're a big fan of of, of the mukbang videos. Yes, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so can you just explain? I because I didn't know what they were actually until I saw your mukbang, video. Mukbang. Uh, mukbang is like a sort of genre of video it's korean eating videos basically it's people 
um, eating a lot, like sometimes a large amount of food, or it can be a more of an ASMR vibe. So people are watching because they like the sound of people eating certain types of food. <laughs> but I got into it a bit earlier on. What, what, uh, what drew you like, to it? I just liked watching people eat an immense amount of food. <laughs> so I didn't have to. Somehow it, it, it satiated me. I, I could watch them. If I had no like good food in the house, I could watch them eat something good and then I could eat just crackers or something. <laughs> so um, I would highly, highly recommend it. So what New Zealand food would you would you most like do to, it. to do it with? Do it, yeah. Oh, fun. okay. New Zealand food. Probably um, Samoan food. So like chop suey. Uh, top suey, which is like sort of a vermicelli noodles and um, marinated, usually marinated be- uh, steak with garlic and ginger and soy sauce. Uh, mm. That's like the most, yes, yeah, that's the best. Chop suey yeah. and taro, which is which is taro, but you have it like coconut cream. I, I like having it in coconut cream and like uh, and then like onions, boiled taro, and yeah, it's always the best. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or palusami, which is like taro leaves, um, the leaves of a taro plant with um, coconut cream and onion and sometimes corned beef in it. And then you wrap it in tinfoil and you, and you cook it in that sometimes in an umu, which is the, um, or uh, umu is like the Samoan version of a hangi, which is Maori uh, pit cooking. So right. you, 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 you cook um, meat and, and uh, root vegetables and stuff and you bury, bury it in the ground, oh. cover it with a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff. Did you do that when you were growing up at all? Like with your family? Um, no, we sometimes at bigger family gatherings there'll be umu but um it's quite labor intense yeah <laughs> so, i can imagine you know it's a it's a, you gotta you gotta dig a hole um <laughs> it'll probably be that because and corned beef which is so bad for you but i i do enjoy it because I, those are the things that i can't get yeah it's very like yeah. yeah i've not ever tasted anything that sounds like that palusami is like um taro leaves but you can't really recreate that like you have to have taro leaves mm. but everything everything I mean I could go on for days about what I'd eat in the in New Zealand so Ponsonby food court we love yes other favorite <laughs> other favorite must visit restaurants other favorite must visit restaurants interesting K Road Karangahapi Road K Road you know for sure has got an amount like I used to go I went to school in Auckland Girls Grammar which is just next to K Road K Road is sort of Used to be like the, you know, back in the day, the red light district, I say in, you know, converted commas. Right. Uh, now it's very different. It's changing a lot. Um, some would say being gentrified. <laughs> um, and some would say, you know, it's on the up. I think I don't, I'm, I'm quite unsure. Um, <laughs> but K-Road had a lot of uh, amazing cafes and um, food places. Like in St. Kevin's Arcade, there's always incredible food spots there. Peach Pit I always enjoy on K Road or um, Bestie is the cafe I love. And then across the way at Lim Chow Supermarket, um, the food court in front of the supermarket, there's a place that does this um, um, fried chicken burger, but it's but the bread is a donut <gasps> and you have to wear gloves and it's like hot chicken and you have to wear gloves to like eat it because it will just go all over your hands. Oh my it's, God. It's pretty full on, but it's awesome. <laughs> um I, I like the and, preparation you know, that goes into that, that they give you the gloves. <laughs> they give you gloves. It's pretty intense. Um, yeah, because, I mean, so K-Road is probably like if you want to go and have an, a bunch of really good options to eat is probably the best place I would I would take someone in Auckland. And so when your friend comes, will you go out then out of Auckland into other parts of the island, do you think? Mm-hmm. We want to go to Mount Monganui, which is um, 
place I'd always holiday when I was a, a kid. And I had a lot of family there. My grandmother grew up there for a while. Oh, tell me about that. It's a great mountain. It's like a beachside t- town. It's in Tauranga, uh, which is the good thing about New Zealand is that you're never far from a coast. Yeah. So, so you know, it's not a long drive to That's get to so one nice. side of the east coast or west coast. I mean, Rotorua is like an incredible place to, to take people if you're like into like adventure sports or whatever. Or like Waitomo. Waitomo Caves, which is where you can see the glow worms. I do love seeing the glow worms. Oh, wow. um, you can go cave, you can go, you can go through uh, the caves, like, you know, rafting and stuff, like water rafting, yeah. or you can just go on a glow, glow worm tour. And that's not too far from Auckland. So tell me what a glow worm tour in- involves. You go into the Waitomo Caves and you see glow worms <laughs> that, are <in> the, <laughs> that are in the caves. And they illuminate up, the, they illuminate the caves? Yeah, not illuminate. You can just see them kind of sparkling away. They're not, they weren't, sparkling. they're not, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to, you know, rely on them <laughs> for lighting. <laughs> for lighting, you need large event. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've done that quite a few times. Um, you could go to, um, Taranaki which is you know you've got a new Plymouth which has got an incredible like you know like arts scene and I mean I did a mini tour of New Zealand when I was just out of the pandemic um in 2020 when New Zealand were lucky enough to be COVID free for a bit and myself and my friend Guy Montgomery we did a little mini tour around New Zealand doing comedy comedy shows which was very very fun and we got to see a bit a bunch of New Zealand which was which was wonderful. Yeah, we drove, we made it all the way down to Wellington and then like flew to Christchurch. And I definitely would take my friend to Wellington. I think Wellington is my favorite place to go. If I'm going on a trip, like if it's not a road trip, my favorite place to fly one hour flight and have like a sort of holiday within your own country. It's just an amazing city. It's, you know, walkable, incredible art galleries. Te Papa is, is the best amazing cinemas and on a, on a lovely day every the whole the whole thing with wellington is that you the classic thing to say is you can't beat wellington on a good day because you truly can't and it kind of reminds me of london like the weather can be just atrocious so much of the time it can be really windy in wellington very very cold but then wellington on like a beautiful day in the summer it, it's sort of like you go oh no oh no it's worth living here and it happens in london as well <laughs> yeah so yeah, oh my god, there's so many. There's just too many things about New Zealand I could list. Um, one thing that I always ask on the podcast is for my guests to talk about um their hidden gem, uh, mm-hmm. a place that you that you love because you know the the kind of country so well. <laughs> Mine would be that places that are, like remind me of like old old Auckland are always you know my hidden gems. Like the classic, like the classic comedy club, you know, is is an incredible place. It's pretty unchanged from when I used to work there. But uh, the basement. Honestly, the basement is a venue, is my hidden gem. It's the place where mm-hmm. some Grey's Ave, it's behind the uh, classic. So it's it's so wonderful. It reminds me of Spirited Away. It's like the best because it's got the basement at the bottom. Then above that is the classic, which is the comedy club on the other side. Um, but in between that is Tanuki's Cave, which is the best Japanese, a delicious Japanese restaurant. Um, uh. And um, there's, two, there's two restaurants. There's one above and one below, the same owners. And then above that is where the comedy festival is based. And then there's another comedy venue. So, you, but then the back, you can go up a fire escape all the way from the basement, all the way to, to like you can go in the back way from Tanuki's, and it's just the coolest thing ever. It's, and if it's your neighbourhood, and if you're known at the restaurant and at the venues, you just feel like the coolest person on earth, being able to go up from your show at the basement 
go up and get a donburi bowl from Tanuki's. Then go up to the classic. Oh, that sounds so so fun! Like, sounds like such a, a a recipe for a good night out. Completely. And the basement is just like um, I've I've performed there since I was fifteen. It is still a place like a that actually nurtures you know really interesting, exciting kind of talent in um in Auckland. And then I'm just even thinking now, like my friend Henrietta Harris, she's an artist, she's a wonderful artist. She has a studio space above all of that, above the music shop, and it's just like. It feels like a very, yeah, an amazing creative like heart of of Auckland is around there. So yeah, that would be that's my hidden a great gym. tip. Love that. <laughs> and finally, then when you go back to New Zealand next, mm-hmm. what's at the top of your bucket list? Is there something that you'd like to do there, or a place that you'd like to visit that you actually haven't been to yet? Oh, that's a great question. And there is. I mean, I, I haven't ever been to the Milford Sounds. I've never been to the Milford Sounds and I, I, I would love to do that. There's a lot of the South Island that I haven't properly explored. And there's some train journeys I'd love to do in the South oh, Island. Oh, I love a train journey. Yeah. So I've tell done, me about some of them. Well, I think um, the first, well, I've done the one from Wellington to Auckland, which is, so, so New Zealand trains are not like, we don't rely on them like like the UK to like get around, you know, from place to place as much. But the Transalpine train, uh, is one oh. in the South Island, which is between Christchurch and Greymouth. And people take them to see the scenery. I mean, it's for it's like much for more tu- of a touristic purposes. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a much more scenic thing. And um, I think you see some pretty incredible scenery on that. So I think I might try and do that when I'm back. Oh, amazing. I hope that you get to, to I do know. it. I know. I think all I'm going to I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna book it right now. Amazing. Oh, well, listen, thank you so much, Rose, for bringing to life your, your home country so beautifully. It's been really, really inspiring and great to chat to you. I'm a huge fan. No problem. Oh, a big thank you to the delightful Rose Matafeo. The second season of her sitcom Starstruck is available to stream on BBC iPlayer now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels easier even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers? 
just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Now let's head to the South Island where rugby star Richie McCaw joins me from his home. Richie McCaw, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. It is such an honour to be joined by you today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, and thanks for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So where are you speaking to me from? So I'm in uh, Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand, mm-hmm. so uh, quite a long way away from where you guys are, and uh, yeah, it's uh, going into the summer here, so it's uh, things are looking good. Different season, different day, in fact. Well, that's right. I think we're <laughs> yeah, we'll be 12 hours ahead, so uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got so much to cover. I know that you know your home country so very well, and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into your New Zealand travel diaries. We're going to go through five different chapters. Mm-hmm. But before we get started, obviously, you're New Zealand born and bred, and the South Island has been your home all your life? Yep, 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 it has. So tell me about it. Tell me about life growing up there. You know, what was your childhood like on the South Island? So I grew up, um, for, for people that can picture the South Island New Zealand, pretty much being in the middle um, in a little place called uh, Kūrea, well, the Hekateramia Valley, which was a farming community. I grew up on a farm. And uh, yeah, I was, I was there until I went away to uh, boarding school in, in Dunedin. And then when I left school, I uh, came to Christchurch for university and I uh, have been here ever since. But I think I only left the South Island once in my uh, in tour after I left school. We went on a, a trip to Wellington to see, uh, I think it was a family wedding. And I went on one trip to Australia when we were sort of just intermediate school. And uh, that was the only time I left. So we didn't exactly go that far, but I guess we didn't need to. You know, we, uh, you know grew up in the, a rural town a big trip was to come to Christchurch a three-hour drive to uh to the big smoke yeah we uh we had plenty to do where, where I grew up and obviously the farming life was a pretty cool uh, upbringing so what did it look like where you grew up so we were in a um a valley that sort of came off a, a main valley that went out to the sea um and we, we were in a place that was quite a tough farming area. We were, we were quite dry, uh, just the way the valley was situated. So it was quite tough farming um, and it got quite cold at times during the, the winter. But uh, if you came in and went trying to farm it, you'd, you'd think it was a, a beautiful scenery, beautiful, there's a beautiful river that runs down the middle of it. It's pretty spectacular. And then whenever I've gone back, we've since sold the farm a few years ago, but uh, gone back, you know, I, I actually realised how lucky I was to, to grow up in an area like that and have the wide open spaces. And, you know, I went to a school that only had 25 kids at it. So it was a pretty small wow. sort of... Wow. Sort of uh, pri- primary school and uh, that, that type of community. So real small town vibe. It was, but it was a, a great little community. And I think perhaps those communities have changed a little bit now with the way the farming um, ha- has changed. But, uh, you know, we had a fair number of families that had all had kids about the same age. And it was a cool, really cool uh, community. And as I said before, a trip to Dunedin or Christchurch, two or three hours, it was, a, it was a big, quite a big undertaking, you know, whereas 
perhaps these days it wouldn't be seen quite so much, you know, when we you know, were traveling all over the place, or well, we were anyway. So chapter one is your earliest childhood travel memory in New Zealand. Did you take kind of staycations when you were in the school holidays? There was, there was probably a couple that I, that I used to, um, and, and they weren't really going far, but we had um, some big hydro lakes only about half an hour, 40 minutes from where we lived. And we used to go and camp, you know, in the, the summer holidays on the lakes with, and we went water skiing and do all those sort of things. So that was sort of our camping holidays that we used to do uh, fairly regularly. Um, and, and the other one was I had uh, grandparents that lived over in uh, Central Otago and, and Wanaka, and, uh, which is near Queenstown, the people that might not be familiar. And, you know, we used to go and stay there. And, and I guess that was where, th- th- that's the area in, in New Zealand and the South Island that I have a real affinity for because we used to go there as youngsters to visit my grandparents. And the things to do there are amazing. It's it's just a pretty special place. The central Otago landscapes and the lakes and the, um, I guess the, the, the sort of the high country feel uh, of that, that's pretty unique to anywhere in the world, but it's even unique in, in New Zealand. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get those lovely hot, dry uh, summers, you know, that, you know, that we all enjoy. And, um, but there's so many things to do, you know, uh, that, and I think that's why, you know, people from overseas just get attracted to that area. And we've always sort of known about it, but uh, now everyone knows about it and is coming in and enjoying it. But uh, certainly for me, that's that's the place that a little bit different to where I grew up, but uh, has, has some similarities too. Totally. Obviously, you mentioned about going to school, getting into rugby. What was the trajectory? Like, at what stage did you realize that this could be a career option for you? And, you know, with rugby meaning so much to New Zealanders, like, how quickly did you have to take it really seriously? Uh, I, I guess the thing from uh, from rugby, it didn't go professional until I was halfway through my secondary school um, schooling. So it was never really on the radar as being a, um, a profession or a career when I left school. Um, and even when I left, it was professional. But you know, it was still sort of one of those things that you you know you would like to have done. And and you know, I love playing rugby. And, and as you say, the um, rugby to New Zealand is is, is huge. And uh, you know. The dream of being an All Black, all those sort of things were certainly there, but certainly didn't leave school going. I hope I can be a professional rugby player. But really? yeah, you know, got got an opportunity when I was at university. Um, I came to university in in Christchurch to Lincoln University, and that has a farming type of um, I guess slant on it. And I was always going to do that and potentially go back to the farm, but. Mm-hmm. I uh, got some opportunities around the, r- the rugby side of things in Canterbury and, you know, one thing sort of led to another. And I guess the first time I sort of realised that this could be an opportunity was uh, my first year at university. I got picked for the New Zealand under-19 team to play at a World Championships in, uh, in Wales. And that was the first time it was sort of like actually a career as a, a professional rugby player wasn't just a dream it was uh, it could have been a possibility so for a couple of years I uh, balanced being a, a uni student and uh, almost a professional and um, yeah I was lucky enough to sort of get into that area and uh, yeah it's been a good part of my life so far uh, being a professional rugby player yeah. which was pretty pretty lucky to do. Moving on to chapter two that is the first place that you fell in love with in New Zealand and why? The place that uh, really holds something dear is, is Central Otago in uh, the middle of the South Island, where I, I said I I um, used to go and visit with my grandparents and um, my uh, parents or my dad used to go and have holiday houses, or his parents had holiday houses there, so he used to go there growing up as well. So that's that's the place I really love. Um, I 
and I still I've, I have a house there now that I spend time in the in the holidays down there. So that's that that's the place that really means something to get away and. You know, you, you get the, the things you need to replenish and refuel and all those sort of things. You know, I always say to anyone coming, you've got to go and check out Central Otago, Wanaka, Queenstown. So when you go there, what do you do? How do you unwind? What I love about it is there's there's a lake, uh, there's rivers to go jet boating on. Uh, I own to adventure sort of sports, so kayaking, mountain bike tracks everywhere, um, and there's hills you can climb, tracks you can do. So I'm always busy doing all those sort of things. So that that's the bit I uh, I love about it. Um, so I go down there uh, not to to do nothing. I go down there to, to be active and get all my fix on all those sort of things. And, and my, a lot of my parents still, uh, they also uh, spend time down there. So often we have family down there and I've got a lot of good friends that I have down there. So um, it's it's a pretty cool place to go. The other thing I was going to say is, and it's one of my hobbies, is um, I uh, do a lot of flying and, and flying gliders through this the mountains and the southern Alps of New Zealand around you know, places in central Otago and down in there, I, I always pitch myself how lucky I am to be able to do that. So you're up in that, you're up in that glider, you're looking down, what do you see? Well, you see a bit of everything, like there's times I've flown around the top of Mount Cook, which is the biggest, uh, the tallest mountain in New Zealand, you can see both coastlines, uh, and you have these snow-capped peaks, and then you look at the, um, you know, out into the rivers and lakes that flow out to uh or the east coast or whatever and the other thing is um there's places you know you fly in where you know that probably no one's ever walked on you know there's some pretty you know, steep terrain that you go well there's probably the chances are probably no one's ever walked through there because probably you can't but you know it's it's pretty much untouched and you know unique in that way and uh when you acknowledge that it's a pretty special feeling that must be so exciting so going back to rugby i want to talk about the hacker because i connect it so strongly with New Zealand with Maori culture with with like the essence of your country so can you tell me first of all just a bit about it tell me what what it is and then also what it means to you so you're right it's it's a um, ceremonial um, people call it a war dance so a little bit different but it's a ceremonial um, challenge I guess to uh, to people but the way I, I saw it and, and and I may not be completely correct but it's a, a representation of who we are as New Zealanders and um, and the thing with New Zealand now is we're quite a multicultural society and the All Blacks for example when we do the haka are made up of people from all sort of backgrounds but the thing that binds us together is and that we have unique to New Zealand is the Maori culture and the, the culture of um, of the people that were first here and, and that's something that's really unique and I always said when we perform the haka before a game is there's, there's a challenge element I guess that people talk about but it's actually a symbol of who we are as, as New Zealanders that's where we're from and this is who we are and uh, as I say it's it's a unique thing for, to anywhere in the world that uh, when people see that they know a little bit they realise oh, they're New Zealanders and that's uh, the Maori culture that they're expressing and uh and you know, I got to say, probably in the North Island, um, growing up, the the understanding of the Maori culture is probably more so than the South Island, and you know, especially being in the the All Blacks, and since I even in the last while, you know, spending more time in, in places uh, where the culture is a lot stronger, learning all those sort of things, which uh, you know, people that come to New Zealand find out by going and seeing those places is pretty amazing. The the stories and the uh, the way it's told and how it's uh, portrayed is to 
you know the um the culture of uh, of the Maori people that were first here and um and to be able to uh, I just always felt privileged to be able to express that when we played before we played a game and you know a lot of people say oh was it hard to learn that well the thing is, I used to watch the All Blacks on TV as a five-year-old. I knew the haka off by heart by about then, so there was no need to practice it when I became a, an All Black. Everyone knew it. <laughs> as I say, a lot of people look at, say, a, a sporting team like the All Blacks, it's a, an advantage that you get to challenge an opposition before you play. But there's a little bit of an element of that, but there's also, it's a, um, it's a, it's a really cool thing to be able to make a statement of who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say that in preparation for chatting today, I went down a, like a YouTube wormhole of watching endless huckers at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of all the of, of all the uh, the matches. You know, obviously, not only is a representation of your culture, of course, but it's bloody scary as well sometimes to watch it. <laughs> and you are really scary as well. <laughs> well I'm pleased that I tried to be, <laughs> and I think everyone that that uh, has anything you know, looks into it a little bit and performs them is if you're going to do it, you got to do it the way it's meant to be and, and ride and, you know, having been a little bit scary and doing those things is the way uh, way it's meant to be. So I'm, I'm pleased I, I came across like that. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that um, you're kind of doing it how it was meant to be, what was the hacker then originally before it was used in rugby matches at the start? I, I guess different tribes around New Zealand um, all had a slightly different haka, but when they met for whatever reason, and there was often, uh, whether it was wartime or whether it was in peace, there was different types of hakas that were done to welcome mm-hmm. um, and challenge. And it's how you accept that challenge. That's all a uh, huge part of it. Mm, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So chapter three then is your all-time favorite New Zealand destination it's hard to go past what I said before but one, one of the places I've been and I and I want to spend more time there is up in the Bay of Islands north of uh, Auckland up in Northland it's absolutely beautiful when it you don't have the they call it the winterless north where um, you know you don't doesn't get too cold and the the, the beaches and the sea and uh, all the things that that are on offer up there is huge, is just amazing, and that's what one of the places I'd love to spend more time. So, is it you say that it's kind of winterless? So, is it kind of more tropical feeling? Is it more beachy? Absolutely, it, it certainly doesn't get as cold as down here in the South Island uh, in the winter time, and um, yeah, it's got a lot more of a tropical sort of feel to it around the beaches and the, the sea the um you know the fishing and the diving and all those sort of things that you can do up there uh, you're welcomed and made to feel uh really special and then you just keep wanting to go back that seems to be the case with all new zealanders though like the reputation of new zealanders here in the uk is that everyone is everyone is so welcoming and nice kiwis are just uh themselves and they treat everyone the same which is just welcoming and they want to show them a a good time but i think one of the things that's unique in new zealand is they might have a cool experience and a great scenery but it's actually the stories and the way that that they're shown uh that actually make the experience or the the time you have doing whatever you're doing really memorable and i think that's as you say people go home go man i had a, had a great time and you go well you could see some scenery or whatever in other places in the world but what is it that makes it different and it's usually the people that uh show you or welcome you that, that make the difference and that's something i guess as a kiwi um always proud of uh you know whenever you go overseas and you hear the stories you're just talking about about oh i went there and 
yeah, someone just welcomed me in for a cup of tea at the, you know, we were driving through and or they helped us out or they showed us this, uh, you know, nothing was a problem. That that always makes yeah. me proud as a Kiwi to hear that. I think by and large, people that come and visit always go away with that sort of sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you yourself come across as extremely humble, but I'm about to ask you to kind of brag a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the start of the podcast, I listed out all of well many of your incredible achievements over the years and you know consistently you are named one of the greatest if not the greatest rugby player of all time how does that make you feel (laughs) well that's very nice to hear hear those words uh spoken (laughs) um Look, I, I think I reflect on uh, my career as, you know, I think satisfied is, is the word. Like, you always want to get to the end and not have any regrets. And I guess that's what I what I, uh, I sit back now and don't really regret that I wish I'd done something different or better. Um, one of the things I'll say, and, and this is this is one of the things where I, I think it's one of the strengths of All Black Rugby and, and New Zealand Rugby is that no matter who you are, whether you're the best player in the world or the brand new player it's about the team being successful and it's about what you can contribute to doing that and and we never let never want people to get ahead of themselves and start to be bigger than the team it's always the team comes first and I think that's that's a pretty cool thing and and that's what I loved uh, being that but sure you as a player you want to go and be the best and try and be the best in the world and but you do it because you want to earn the respect of your t- first and foremost your teammates around you and do your bit to uh to really gain their respect and that's something that I really strive to do every time I play not just sometimes every time and you know it's nice that uh you know reflection that people might talk about you like that not sort of saying well he hung around too long and wasn't you know something else but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, look I'm very proud of uh being involved but as I say to have success in a team sport like rugby you need good people around you and I was pretty lucky to have that and when you look back on all of those incredible moments of your career, is there one that gives you like butterflies when you think about it? Is there one that just feels like the ultimate pinch yourself moment? There's probably two. Mm-hmm. The, the first one is uh, the, the first day I got to put on the All Black jersey. It was in 2001, uh, played in Dublin against Ireland. And and that's the day, and even I get a few goosebumps talking about it now. Um, really, you go you go from being a you know being a dream, and you know wondering whether it's ever possible to the moment that whistle goes with that all black jersey on. No one can ever take that away from you. You can be an yeah. all black if, if you never got to play another game. Although all that does is make you want to play more and more. Um, then you know you've been able to say you're an All Black. So there's that one. And the other one was my last game where it was a World Cup final in 2015. We'd been able to win in 2011, but to back that up um, and know that was my last game, you know, from a personal point of view, I felt I played one of the better games I've played in a long time. And to win like that and finish off like that, that was pretty satisfying. So I always sort of, you know, either end of the, those two memories, there's yeah. a few good things in the middle, but they're yeah. the ones that stick out. Nice to have that, that have it bookended though, like that. And would you ever return to rugby in any capacity? Uh, not sure. I, I, I kind of took a, a, a break to make sure I, if I ever did, it was um, for the right reasons. It wasn't just because I didn't know what else to do. So, um, look, I'd, I'd love to be able to, um, you know, I got a lot out of rugby. So how, how I can contribute back, I, I guess I'd love to at some point. But 
not sure where that is yet. So let's move on to chapter four, and that is your hidden gem, a place that you love in New Zealand that my listeners would probably maybe not have heard of or they wouldn't know that much about. So I've since I've finished playing, I've um, been a commercial helicopter pilot. So I've done quite a bit of taking um, tourists on some flights into the Southern Alps. and So cool. Yeah, so I'm pretty lucky to be able to do that. Um, but a lot of people... You know, coming to New Zealand, think that you've got to go to maybe the West Coast or uh, Queenstown to get the, the experiences. Whereas here in Christchurch, we can take a flight. Uh, and I, I often, you know, we've got some little glaciers, and they're smaller than the one, big ones on the West Coast, but um, up the top of a river just close to Christchurch, the Rakaia River, where you can land uh, on this pretty cool spot overlooking two glaciers of the terminal lakes, and we have a picnic and stuff like that. And yeah, there's no one around. The silence is amazing. There's snow all around the hills. Um, there's the terminal lake that we can uh, you can dip your toes in. It is it is pretty special. So you know, I, I always keep that up my sleeve. If people go, if there's one place you, we could go in the helicopter that's not too far, where would you take us? And that's where I go. Oh, that sounds like the ultimate hidden gem. And and it seems like a lot of the places that we, we've discussed today also is the luxury of being able to get there by helicopter or, or by fl- by flying is like, it feels like they're truly hidden gems because they wouldn't be easily accessible just to the average, you know, normal, like say in the car. Exactly. Well, if you're going to go where I just mentioned, um, you, you'd, you'd drive a wee way on a road, then you'd be on a four-wheel drive track and then you'd be on foot for... Uh, quite a while to even get close oh, really? to it so so that's what i super uh, remote yeah it's pretty remote so and and that, that's what i love about the the end of those areas where it's complete silence like the other day i had some uh people at this at the place and you could hear the old uh bits of ice falling off you know in the distance they were like what's that it sounds like earthquakes and i was like oh, it's just uh, the ice melting and stuff like that which probably isn't a good thing to hear but it's coming to summer i suppose but uh yeah that's yeah. that's the sort of things you hear Mm. So we are on to then the final chapter, chapter five of your travel diaries. And that is the destination at the top of your Kiwi bucket list. But I, before we before we cover that, you and your wife, Gemma, you compiled your New Zealand must do list and you've been ticking them off. Yeah. Very cool thing to do. So what is the most memorable experience you've had so far ticking off things on your bucket list? I think one of the uh, most interesting and, and pretty cool um, was we, we went to Taranaki, uh, New Plymouth, and I'd been in there a few times to play rugby, but it was sort of in and out. I never really spent any time there, and we, we um, well, I got to do some surfing, which was quite cool. We uh, had the locals teach us that, but one of the two things we did, we went for a walk up uh, Mount Taranaki, and and um, we had uh, had a guide that, that gave us the, um, I guess, from the Maori point of view, why uh, Mount Taranaki is so special to the um, the Maori people. And just to get that understanding, um, you know, as a Kiwi, you'd say, "Oh, surely you must sort of know that." But actually, you see Mount Taranaki, and you go, oh, "Yeah." But actually, once you get that, that insight, it, it changes your whole outlook on things. So that that was what I uh, I really enjoyed. And then the, the the second day we were there, we went down to uh, the Whanganui River, and which has been granted uh, status of a person, effectively. And wow. we got taken on the river by the um, the, the local uh, people there, and and they explained why it was so special to them, and uh, and what the meaning of it being given, I guess, that sort of status. 
that that really was quite uh, moving as well. And um, so just get those insights. And as I say, you know, I've been through those areas fairly regularly, but just to get that firsthand, I, I found really, really cool. And so then top of your New Zealand bucket list, what are you looking forward to most ticking off? Well, there's two. Um, as I said before, the Bay of Islands, which is up in the north of the North Island, but there's um, there's some really cool diving, and they call it the, on the poor nights, where apparently the um, the the fish life and and what you see is absolutely spectacular. So I'm really keen to. That was on my uh, must do list. So I haven't got there yet. So uh, I think it's something that uh, really need to tick off. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I didn't actually put on there, but I've I've sort of realised I should have been was. Um, Stewart Island, which is the island down right off the the, the south of the South Island. Mm-hmm. I, I got a good friend that grew up there, and he always is telling me that you've got to go there. There's a there's a track you can walk, and uh, I go, yeah, yeah, I'll get there one day, but I just haven't got there yet. So I think that's definitely something to do at some stage. Very isolated, is it? Very rugged. It, it's it is pretty rugged. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty harsh at times down there, but it's pretty spectacular too. Like the people that I talk to and, and my mate that that grew up there. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Richie. Those were your New Zealand travel diaries, and it has been a real pleasure hearing about your beautiful country. Uh, absolute pleasure. And I look forward to seeing people uh, when they can come back to New Zealand. Well, a big thank you to Richie and to Rose for transporting us to their homeland. If New Zealand wasn't on your bucket list before, I hope it will be now. If you're into sports, maybe you'll want to visit for the Women's Rugby World Cup in October and November later this year or the FIFA Women's World Cup next year. Whenever you choose to visit, you know, I have not heard anyone say a bad word about travelling in New Zealand. There's a reason it is such a popular destination. If you didn't catch some of the names of the destinations mentioned by Richie and Rose today, remember that I always include them in the episode show notes, which you can read on your phone or on my website, thetraveldiariespodcast.com. So if you're ready to start finding out more about planning your trip to New Zealand, head to newzealand.com and check out your favorite travel magazines and newspaper travel sections, which will have some handy guides. Thanks so much for listening today. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you're using Apple Podcasts to hit follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you're loving the podcast, it would be amazing if you could take a minute to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. To find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. And if you can't wait till then, remember there's six seasons you can catch up on. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. And I'll be back next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers 
just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 